You're listening to The Issues Podcast. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. This is an episode of The Issues Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Russ, Tom Brennan, and Martin Wickens. The Apostle Paul said, bodily exercise profiteth little. He also said he had to keep his body under subjection. It is no secret that our culture is growing increasingly hedonistic. Pleasure and sensuality abound and the body or the flesh is at the center of attention in it all. The body has become a god to the world, but to the Christian, the body is not a god, it is a temple. So today we want to engage in conversation in which we have a discussion about the importance of Christians and their physical health. Gentlemen, welcome to the show today. It is good to be back. We're glad to be here. Good afternoon. Yep. Yep. And of course, that's when we're recording this. We don't know when people are listening to it, but thanks for dating us, Martin. Appreciate that. I have to edit that out later. <laughs> good so morning. my first question, my fr- <laughs> it's just all things to all men today. Buenas noches. <laughs> so the you first question I have is, do we even, that's not allowed on this podcast. It's a podcast about health, Martin. Do, do we even have the right to talk about this? I mean, man, this is a, this is one of those things. Independent Baptists are stereotypically not very good about this subject. You know Let me Thomas answer your Edison. question with a question. What did you have for lunch, Stephen? What did you intend? <laughs> what yeah. did you then go for as a second and then finally yeah. have third? Well, the story is complicated, many twists, turns, and lots of details. I'll spare spare you the details. Um, But uh, I, at first, intended to get Casey's Pizza, because everybody knows Casey's Pizza is just incredible. Casey's did not have any pizza. And I was like, what? I mean, we have a... So the problem is we have a Casey's gas station literally just down the road from the church at the corner. And so I drove from there to McDonald's out of protest, even though I didn't want to eat McDonald's. And the line for the drive-thru was like ungodly. And so I went by Hardee's and uh, there was no line. And there's a reason there was no line, but I ate there anyway. And I had a mushroom and Swiss burger. Yeah. Yep. It was a, it was a grease trap. It's incredible. Offer my condolences. (laughs) (laughs) I know. You know, I, I, I uh, was you, you were talking about. Do we have any authority to speak to this subject? Uh-huh. And um, I was reminded of Thomas Edison, how he spent what two thousand times or whatever it was trying to figure out how to invent the light bulb before he finally did. All the filaments didn't work. So I'm about fifteen hundred ways into how not to be healthy. So that's how <laughs> I plan to participate today. I plan to talk about all the things I've tried that don't work. You know. Yeah. Maybe we should have done think- this as a live. We 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 could get all the people who are healthy to come talk to us and and help us out. I think one of the problems with this whole conversation is there are so many ways to be healthy and to be unhealthy. There's a a YouTube guy I've been following, and he just lost something like 60, 70 pounds. Mm -hmm. And all he ate for a couple of months was McDonald's. McDonald's for every single meal. But what he did was he would only eat half of what he ordered. And he said by every, every measurement they took, his blood you know, all of it, the doctor said he's in better condition than he's ever been. So, Hmm. you know, if if someone said to you, okay, eat nothing but McDonald's for the next two months, Mm -hmm. 
the reaction would be predictable, but yeah. for this guy, it worked. So, um, well, I think that's a have key you tried part that one? Think, no, um, I'm, smart, I'm smarter than that. Um, I I do think <laughs> that's a key point, though, in that we can we can take something that has worked for us and then assume that everyone has to do the exact same thing. I think the larger point of today's episode is that it is, we don't want to jump the gun, but I think the larger point is it is biblical and it is godly to focus on your health. Mm -hmm. And here are some practical ideas or ways to to look at that. But we're not trying to set ourselves up as the be all and end all of of medical advice or health advice. No, dear goodness, no, Mm -mm. not at all. Why why do you think we have such a bad reputation? You know, in, in certain Baptist circles, you know, in certain Baptist circles, it is deserved. But why has it come to this point? One word, suspenders. The need for suspenders. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you asked why we had such a bad reputation. <laughs> I, I, I might well, know a preacher who wears suspenders every Sunday. Oh, no. Well, I'm sorry. But I, I did it. Okay, but like, I wasn't. What? What? <laughs> Why Why did it get to that point? And I guess my, my point is this, is it's not a Baptist problem. It's an American cultural problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you think it is particularly bad in some Baptist circles? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I half agree with you, Martin. It is an American cultural problem. All, all measures of obesity and health, et cetera, all point to, to a declining concept of what it means to be healthy in American society by and large. But I think it's aggravated in religious circles if, A, they're mostly composed of people in the lower class who generally struggle health-wise anyway, and that's independent Baptists. And B, we focus and preach so much on being spiritual, it's almost like um, to be spiritual means I have to neglect my body, I have to ignore my body, I have to, as if mm-hmm. focusing on the body makes me unbiblical or ungodly. Mm-hmm. And so we have we have over. It's it's like you know the guy who goes to to the gym and and neglects leg day, right? And so he's totally unbalanced. And so I think I think there's some of that. Um, so I think you're partially right, and then I think there's there's other contributing factors to it. Yeah, yeah. I th- I would go along with that, and I would also say that there is. You know, you, you, now you hear the preaching about um, you know, oh, we'll preach against uh, we'll preach against anything, but we we don't hear any sermons on gluttony, you know, and that kind of thing. And and to a point, that's a hundred percent correct. I do think that, and I'm speaking from a the position of a pastor. Um, it seems other pastors um, are uh, are kind of picking up on the idea that they need to take care of their health. And you guys said it right in the sense that it's it's not just about well, rephrasing, I guess, kind of the idea of what you said, so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's it's not just about like aesthetics or being able to run a marathon or whatever. It is about stewardship. It's about glorifying God with the body, which is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so there, there's a lot of biblical, biblical foundation that teach us that we need to be stewards. And there's no reason that we should exclude the body from that process of stewardship as a Christian. No, but there was, at least in my lifetime, if you go back, you know, some decades ago, there was an emphasis on it's better to burn out than rust out, you know, mm. you know, as it, that, that would criticize sleep if you, you know, if you slept too much, if you slept more than four hours a night, you were lazy, you know, the people who get most for God are the people with the least sleep, you know, and, and, and looking back on that, those are, that, that's really unhealthy perspectives, but, but I heard preaching like that. Yeah. Okay. You just answered my question. That was what I was going to ask. Was that communicated or felt? You know how sometimes we we feel like it's being communicated oh, no, this way, was, but you're saying 
Yeah. No, it was preached. Oof. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't ever. I don't ever remember being under that kind of preaching where it was like a dogmatic thing. If you're sleeping more than six hours a night, you're not right with God. Got to get up and do whatever. Now, there was encouragement to be sacrificial and go to the extra mile. And there may have been people who said that this is how they do it. But I never felt like I had to do it that way. So, wow, it's too bad. And as a result, what do we have, right? We have unhealthy pastors. Um, and we've, we've got to take care of that. So, okay. For the sake of discussion, then, you know, just kind of moving through and, and talking a little bit about this idea, uh, what are the biblical guidances that we find in scripture for this? I mean, I mentioned a couple of them in the intro. The Apostle Paul, in one sense, said, bodily exercise profiteth little. Now, I've heard that, <laughs> I almost said explained. Don't know if it's been explained <laughs> other than just like quickly glossed over as, right. as one of two things. You know, it's not that big of a deal and it wasn't a priority or it, it profits little, but it does profit. You know, that's, I, all, that's all I've ever heard on that verse. Um, so what, you know, what are the biblical guidances that we see on that? You've been quiet too long, Reverend Wickens. We're all going <laughs> to. I'm like, so well, where are we? <laughs> Bro- well, I'm just looking at it. I'm like, well, we had the initial question that was asked. So I'm like, do we, are we going to mention Tim Taylor or? The editing know? begins. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were just rambling and monologuing so long. I'm yes, like, well. Yes, I, know. I, I don't know where we're at either, but I'm used to that at this point. So it's fine. We so what are the. following a script. This is a conversation. Well, Tom and I are. That's the problem. So I'm looking at the notes and I'm like, okay, well, the biblical principles, that's like skipping over at the, the ditches and like. I'm sorry. So for the sake of the conversation, just kind of tracking down, you know, in a logical sequence here, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the dangers? You know, what are the dangers of this? I mean, physical bodily exercise, emphasis on, on the body, uh, emphasis on health. Um, is it possible to take that too far? You know, what, what is that? What is that line? Where do we need to be looking out for maybe a little bit of an imbalance there? You used the word hedonism in your introduction earlier, and I think mm-hmm. that's a great word in this context. That That is the idea of I'm going to explore everything that gives me any sort of sensual pleasure. And so there are people who will use that and abuse their bodies, but there are people who will use that and develop their bodies to the place where they can experience more pleasure mm-hmm. and then display their bodies, right? Vanity, you know, sensuality, right. things like that. So, yeah, I mean, if you've ever worked out at a gym, and I think all of us have, maybe, <laughs> But if you've ever worked out at a gym, you've seen those people who, you know, they can't walk past the mirror without stopping to look at themselves. And, yeah. I, and I think that's that's you're getting close to the ditch on that side of the road. If you're if you're overwhelmingly concerned with how you look and, you know, that sort of a thing. Yeah. yeah well, so it, a desire for, for for pleasure, for gratification. I think it could be, um, you know, on on in both ways, somebody who overeats because you you eat the food, you like the taste and mm-hmm. the the way that it hits the brain and so you you just indulge in whatever you want to eat but then on the other side of it exercise can become addictive and for people who've never been addicted to exercise that sounds ridiculous and almost pompous um but i know when i was super into running like Mm -hmm. i would i would neglect other responsibilities so i could get out there and just run 12 15 miles and you know it was addicting and so, yeah, I was going to actually bring that up, Martin, because you you at times have been an avid runner. And I think probably, so 
I hope it's okay for me to say this for our listeners' sake. A couple of bouts with COVID kind of set you back on that, right? Mm-hmm. Is yep. that so? So I mean, you would still run. I mean, you're 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 working that way. I know you exercise. I know you do that kind of thing. I do. I mean, I go. The one thing you mentioned, the guy who skips leg day, and I, and I, both of you kind of pointed at me. People can't see that on the podcast, but I can see you guys. Um, <laughs> but uh, but that's something that I've been trying to add too. So I started a couple years ago in the summer of uh, 2021. There's a guy in our church. His name's John, and he's enormous, like bodybuilder. You know, young guy, younger than me. And um, we, I, I would talk to him, say, "Hey, yeah, and, you know, I need to, I need to hit the gym with you sometime." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, come on out." And and every time it was like, "Yeah, right, okay, we we've had this conversation before." So my wife went on a, a, a trip out west, and I was like, "I'm going to have a few days here where I I need to stay busy." And I thought this would be a good time. So I told him, I said, "Hey, I will be at the gym this Tuesday at whatever time," and we did that. And so I've actually been in the gym consistently, with the exception of a, an illness or two for two years. And there have been so many incredible um, benefits to that. But at the same time, Martin, what you said is like, it's easy to get in there and to neglect other responsibilities because you're like, oh, I have to, I have to do this. Now, mm-hmm. the other side of that is if you don't ever make it a habit, then you won't stick with it. How many people have started and two weeks later, you know, it's funny because the gym's always busy Monday yeah, afternoon full in January yeah, and full in January. And by the end of the week or by, by February of the year, I mean, it's cleared out again, you know, so, so there's, there's that balance there, but you guys are kind of mentioning or or kind of focusing on that idea that the body can become something we worship and it's more than just health, it's pride, Mm -hmm. right? So vanity, pride, we want to look a certain way and what is that? I mean, the natural the logical sequence there is we want to look a certain way to attract a certain thing, right? Attention from certain people that we couldn't mm, get it yeah. from, you know, it, it can be rooted in insecurity and that's a, that's a problem. And it's something that every person in every walk of life is going to have to battle with, you know, and, you know, we mm-hmm. talked about the Christian circles, Baptist, um, and our minds automatically go to preachers and pastors, people in our positions, <laughs> evangelists, I think, struggle because of all the travel along with, you know, a lot of the fellowships and meals. But, yeah. you know, every Christian is going to face it, whether it's the young person who's out of shape because they're just happy to sit and watch TV um, mm-hmm. or they go the other direction and they overemphasize sports and they're obsessive about, you know, getting out on the field, you know, Christians in every age group, every walk of life, you know, they're going to have to have a focus on their health, physical and spiritual one way Mm -hmm. or another. Well, that's, that's one side of it, right? Is the vanity side, but the other side is just totally, totally ignoring your body, maybe ignoring some warning signs. Um, you know, never, never going to the doctor, never doing exercise, never being physically active. I mean, wouldn't you agree that our job is primarily a sedentary lifestyle. I mean, as pastors, we, we have Mm -hmm. to spend a lot of time sitting still. I think stillness is actually part of our job description to some extent. And then we spend a lot of time eating. (laughs) But I think that you find that common thread runs, not just through pastors, but it runs Mm -hmm. through people whose health is bad, not because of things beyond their control, but because of things in their control, but they justify it. So I don't have time to go to the doctor. I don't have time to work out. I don't have the money to buy the right food, eat healthy. All I can afford is ramen noodles. You know, I I, I can't 
um, you know, that whatever these justifications are, we find, you know, I don't have insurance. I don't have, I'm not trying to criticize people in situations like that. What I'm saying is just like as pastors, we blame it on the fact we have a sedentary, you know, vocation. That just means we have to understand that and work around it or compensate for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't, we can't blame the fact we're, we're 60 years old on a walking prayer request on the fact we're pastors. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's terrible. I think it's historically, true. there was some pastors. I mean, like Charles Wesley, um, you know, back in England where I'm from, we have history. And I was able to go into. Um, and, <laughs> but you can go to where Charles Wesley had his desk and, you know, the church that was built. And uh, as a preacher and teacher is incredible. He had this like dome structure on the second floor. And he could walk in a full circle so he could stand on one side of it and look down and see the young man preaching. And then he can mm-hmm. walk to the other side and look at the congregation listening. And he could get like that full spectrum of the service. Wow. But in the room next to it, he had a stand-in desk. And so hundreds of years ago, yeah. Wesley was like, you know what? I do better and I feel better and I function better when I stand up rather mm-hmm. than sit down and yeah i mean he was way ahead of his time with a lot of medicinal things mm-hmm. um but yeah we we do sit a lot and we sit with other people and we sit at bedside table you know bedside uh you know with patients um but i think there is something we can do to alleviate that and i think everyone mm-hmm. whether it's you know a young parent or a student or whatever the case may be uh you've got to look for the ways yeah. to make health happen I was. I heard a clip of a different podcast. I won't even mention the name of it because it wouldn't be one that I would make a habit of listening to or, or recommending. But the guest on the yeah, the host and the guest and the guest was like, you know, there was a time I, I just I couldn't even exercise, and the host was like, yes, you can, yes, you can. Don't don't say that. Get a. He said, can you walk to the refrigerator? And the the guest was just like, uh. Uh, uh, and he goes, then get up. He said, get up, walk across the room, like do something. And I, and so I guess par- probably because of our pride, because of our insecurity, we think that if we're not a certain style of fitness engaged in a certain, you know, approach that, that we're not, it's not really worth it, you know, because there's, there's no gain in it unless it's visible improvement. I mean, you know, if you, so two years of working out and primarily also listening to people talk about it because I'm certainly not the expert. Um, I could tell you personally what the benefits have been for me, but nobody wants to hear that. Uh, so what I've learned is, is that you can be, you could be enormous, muscular, huge, but that doesn't mean you're strong and you can be strong and look like an average Joe, mm-hmm. but you're strong. I mean, you, you're fit. You can do things, handstands and, and things with, with your, with your body and muscles that, that other people cannot do because of your strength, but you just don't look like it. Most of the time people want to, want to reap the benefit of other people noticing and saying, I think, I think that may be true at your age. I think as you get older, well, I, that's a good point. The, what does the Bible say? The glory of young men is their strength. Oh yeah, right. And yeah. I, I will take this opportunity to claim the status as the young guy. <laughs> <laughs> For once, you're you're happy about this. <laughs> well, the only one in this group, anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> as you get older, it changes. So much changes as you get older. Right. You have to prioritize your health more. Prioritize mm-hmm. paying attention to your body more. It's not about how you look. Right. What you're what you're looking for is improvement. You pick an area. It's functionality. 
Well, functionality, yes, but you want to you you want to get better at something or mm-hmm. be able to do something that you weren't able to do before, or just mm-hmm. just improve. And that's that goes back to what you said about the uh, about the podcast. Who said, "Can you walk across the room to a refrigerator?" You know, mm-hmm. if you can, then tomorrow you could walk across the room twice, and the next day you walk across the room three times. Right? It's that. Mm-hmm. It's not about how I look. It's about it, it, it's about doing things that produce incremental improvements. Um, that's correct. Time. Yeah, there's a difference a really between health and fitness. There are some people who are mm-hmm. fit and they'll run a marathon and then they drop dead at the finish line because they weren't healthy. Uh, literally, I mean, if you look yeah. it up, it's. Yep. It, it happens. People run a marathon and then they die. <laughs> it, will um, never happen to me. it will never happen to me. Because you'll never run a marathon. I just thought of uh, of uh, Lester Roloff. The guy, you know, Martin, are you familiar at all with the history there? Lester Roloff, the old preacher. I know the I know, name, but I don't know much. I, and I know that this name is good. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I can... <laughs> I was, uh, he, I was, yeah, he was a health nut. He preached against yeah. coffee and tea and caffeine and ate salad and died in a plane crash. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I, I heard Tony, <laughs> Tony Hudson. I don't know why I laughed, but I'm listen, sorry. Uh, Tony, Tony Hudson said, the healthiest man I know died with carrot juice dripping off his chin. <laughs> yeah, well, Tony Hudson, you know, maybe that's not the best example. of uh, no, 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 That just made me laugh. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, yeah. We both Let's interrupted go. you, Reverend Wickens. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, it's fine. I'm just saying, you know, it, it's possible to be, you know, fit, but not healthy. And that's another, uh, that's another hindrance. I think to some people, they think, well, I can't get out there and run or lift or throw Mm -hmm. or do any of these things, which are confused with fitness, but they can still be healthy. And, and a lot of this comes down to temperance, to Mm self-control. It does. It really does. And and that's, so, so for me, you know, I, I try to ride that fine line between eating what I want and working out, but also, taking care of certain things, you know, again, being 35, right? So someone told me when you hit 30, it's a slow drip. When you hit 40, it's a waterfall. And I'm like, oh, okay. So (laughs) I know what to look forward to. Uh, Was that you, Martin, that told me that? Or was that someone else? No, it was someone else. I don't know. But I've been thinking it because like today, (laughs) over the last couple of weeks, I've just been having some symptoms and it's nothing serious. Let me put it out there. But you know, I yeah. mentioned it to a doctor yesterday and he said, all right, well, we'll get you in. And so they did like an EKG and then sent me next door for a lung, you know, for a, an x-ray on my lungs. And, oh, wow. you know, now they're sending me for a stress test on a, yeah, a treadmill. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, it was, but it's, yeah, it's like I'm 43 and all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> I heard, I heard a guy talking and he's like, when, when you're 30, you go in for your, your physical and it's like a drive through. It's like, all right, see you next year. Keep walking, keep walking. He said when it's 40, he's like, it's a totally different ball game. He's like, it's like, oh man, you got to stay here all day, you know? But, um, but because of that, one of the things that I've had to really work on is that I cannot eat certain things without paying for it dearly later. Mainly it's drinking sugary drinks. You guys know I drink that Starbucks stuff, right? What'd you call it, Martin? The devil's juice box. Yeah, the devil's juice box. So that's me. Um, I can't, like, I can't do that. I know when I drink one, I'm like, well, that's going to hurt later, you know? And so I've had to prioritize gut health, which has been Mm -hmm. an interesting thing because again, in our day, we can Google, YouTube, anything. You can just like, okay, how do I, how do I do this? Greek yogurt for me. I mean, every night I have a bowl of Greek yogurt with some healthy granola, like some organic thing from Costco. I don't really know if it's healthy. They say it is. 
and blueberries and and honey, local honey. Who's your honey? Matter of fact, is what it's called. It's it's made a total difference for me, but it's also teaching me that I, from now on going forward, it's going to be like a lifetime of adjustments. Like up, oh, can't yeah, do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that hey, check when you get home. Check how much sugar is in that granola, because normally with granola, yeah. that's where it gets you to make yeah, it sh- taste palatable. They fill yeah. it with sugar. Yeah, I will. I I could look it up, but I don't. I'm too lazy. I don't want to. So, but that's that's yeah. There's true. sugar. There's sugar in the yogurt. There's sugar in the granola. There's yeah. uh, added sugar is a is a is a huge problem. So I'm not mm. to a point where I where I cut out sugar entire, entirely, but I do pay attention to what you just said, Tom. I pay attention yeah. to that added sugar line, and I you know if I need something sweet, I eat fruit or whatever. Um, and then there are times I just don't don't do that at all. So moving along with this, okay, if it's not about looking a certain way or lifting a certain weight or uh, you know running a certain distance, and it can be about those things, but it's not really about those things. Like those, those kind of benchmarks help me push forward with it. You know what I mean? They, they, they're not the end goal, but they keep me moving. The Bible really teaches the idea of stewardship. And I think the body is 100% something that God has called us to steward. Mm-hmm. You know, you said it earlier, Tom, the mentality of, um, what'd you say? Rust out, don't burn out or burn out before you rust out. What, what was it again? Uh, I'd rather burn out than rust out. That's the uh, way I heard it when I was younger. Yeah, that's that's the way I heard it too. I just couldn't remember. So how do we steward our body? What is what does God tell us about that in his word? I think, I think you, you find the third way. Huh? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Martin. So and I was going to say, I think you find the third way. You don't burn out or rust out. You live out biblical principles mm. of stewardship and you give your best for as long as you can to serve the Lord. Preach. Come on, Spurgeon. Let's go. Because taking <laughs> care of yourself is a spiritual thing. Yes, it is. Yes. Are, aren't we supposed to do the will of God? Yes. So the will of God for my life requires me to some extent to have some level of health. Correct. But again, that there's bookends to that, but the will of mm-hmm. God for my life requires some. So then taking care of my health allows me to do the will of God. So then taking mm-hmm. care of my health becomes a spiritual thing for me to do. Yes. It's not, It's not. you know, well, you ought to set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. It's in order to set my affection on things above, I have yeah. to take care of this down here. The, the mentality of that reminds me a lot, and I don't want to miss, I don't want to apply scripture to what it shouldn't be applied to, but it just reminded me of this text where Jesus said, you have brought tithes of, of mint and cumin mm-hmm. and all these things. And he said, this you should have done, but, and what his point was, he says, you did the right thing with the wrong heart. And I find that sometimes it's not about doing something different. It's about doing that particular thing with the right heart. And so the Christian can look at the body as something to steward and say, if I care for myself, for instance, I want my children to, I want to be able to enjoy my children in their, in my old age. I want to be in, be able to enjoy my grandchildren. And I'll be honest, that's something I think about now that I've entered my thirties. And now that I'm in my mid thirties, um, still not in the late thirties, but I think about that and I think, well, I've got to start this now. Now, frankly, just not bragging here, but I've never had a weight problem, but that's actually been to my detriment because I didn't have a weight problem. I was like, oh, I can eat anything I want. I can do anything I want. I don't need to exercise. Well, that's actually a terrible mentality because then you're just weak, passive, and unable to, unable to function, especially in an emergency. So but they my can be skinny people with that. high cholesterol and mm-hmm. you know all kinds of internal issues that you don't see on the outside. So, right, it, it it doesn't follow that you exercise to lose weight. 
or Correct. in order to keep off weight. Those are not the, you can't, what that one, that one doctor said to me, you cannot run your fork. You know, it, it doesn't, mm. unless you're going to, you know, professionally trained to be a boxer, you know, you, you are not going to be able to consume all the calories you want because you exercise. Exercise right. helps your body to be healthy in lots of variety of ways. Yes. But weight control is, is, is a different thing than exercise. I a hundred percent agree with that. But the, what I was trying to say is that just because you're skinny doesn't mean you're disciplined. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Great. Metabolism enters into that. So does stress. Yeah. So does stage of life. Yep. So does lots of things. Yeah. And I've found that things like stress and anxiety can be controlled much better through nutrition than they can um, a lot of other ways. I mean, obviously you have to trust in the Lord, but don't you guys agree that sometimes we- <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be sacrilegious here, but we're like, Oh, I'm just trusting in the Lord. I'm so, I'm so anxious all the time. It's like, well, have you, have you tried not eating junk? Cause it does mm-hmm. affect it. It really does. I mean, pray about it. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, like if you're not willing to make those adjustments. I read a fascinating statement. I don't remember what book I was reading. I've read more books about health in the past three or four years than I ever have, but mm. It was in reference to something to the effect of, we will do anything to improve our health except change what we eat. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. But what that's we true. eat affects so much about not just how we feel, but it affects how we think. It affects right. how we process things. It affects how how mm-hmm. you know, the body and the soul are connected to each other. They're not, they're not, oh, we're yeah. not just a meat sack housing a soul. They're, they're connected to each other. Mm-hmm. Well, aren't we in the generation now that for the first time in like 200 years, this generation is going to have a shorter lifespan, life expectancy than the previous generation? That's true in America. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. and I think it's predominantly environmental. You know, that there's something about the food which is different. And a lot of it, again, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you never eat a McDonald's. You never have something which is just pure pleasure and there's no nutritional yeah. value to it, but it's about balance and stewardship. Let me ask you guys this. Um, let's just talk for for a minute on the, on this topic, and I maybe I'm gonna pick your brains a little bit. But what do you guys think about some of these elimination diets that are out there? Um, one of them that at the time of this recording, I'm I'm actually planning to try. It's just very expensive. That's one reason a lot of people don't diet. By the way, is is it it is expensive. Um, but there's there's this idea that the carnivore diet can be very healthy for you, where you just eat meat for a certain period of time. I'm a little concerned about the idea of like perpetual ketosis and, and living that way. I know that people with autoimmune issues sometimes can benefit from it, but have you guys done any studies on stuff like that? Tom, you said you've been reading more about health than ever. Um, in, you know, maybe not that diet or anything, but what is it that predominantly we're putting in our bodies that's causing us these issues and how do we eliminate those things and, and manage that? You don't, so I've probably read a dozen books in the past three or four years on some aspect of health. Um, it's not one particular diet that fixes those things. It's changing your mental approach to eating. And when you, when you, I'm going to sound like I'm lecturing the whippersnapper. Um, <laughs> I've lived long enough to see there's always the next fad diet coming along mm-hmm. that's going to that's going to fix everything. And you have lived mm-hmm. long enough for the rust too to see that. But I still hear it in you, like I'm going to do this and it's going to fix it. But it's not right. It, it, right. it, it, it may fix something temporarily at the cost of something else, but it's not a exactly. permanent way of eat. It's not, it's not a permanent healthy way of eating. And I think right. uh, uh, more and more of the scientific research comes down on the side of 
identifying a permanent way to live to 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 eat in such a way that you can fuel your body permanently you know well no that's not i don't take that as as condescending or 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 anything like that um actually it tracks with what i've been studying i mean the other day i was so um interested and when you know i'm like a lot of people when i get on something i research it and then Mm -hmm. sometimes i just don't do it like i've probably watched i don't know man five, six, seven hours worth of YouTube material on carnivore diet, just because I'm, I'm like, okay. But what I found is it's a lot like these get rich quick schemes and yes. the pass, the passive income strategies and all of yes. that. Yes. It, it, nothing substitutes for hard work. Nothing substitutes for diligence. The mm-hmm. Bible talks about diligence being the primary factor in success, not luck, not sudden you know, success and all of that. And one of the things that I was listening to someone say was, yeah, there's there's a lot of people doing this. They're seeing a lot of the inflammation in their body go away. They're seeing aspects of their health improve. They said, but they're actually seeing the same exact results with different diets. And it's like, That's uh, what I was going to say. <laughs> you, you listen to one you know, YouTube expert and he's right. like the carnivore diet, meat all the time, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. then you change over and the guy's like, I ate nothing but eggs for six months oh, and yeah. got all the same results. And the next guy, he ate nothing but broccoli for six months. And right. and I'm being facetious there, but, you know, there are a lot of extremes that are out there. And mm-hmm. I think, and it may be that different bodies are made up in a different way. And so one person right. does benefit right. from more of a meat beast, meat beast, meat based diet. <laughs> and somebody else benefits from more of a vegetable based diet. Yeah. And I think the problem is we, we that, want a silver bullet, a one size fits all. Yeah. And, yeah. See, it, it, and that's precisely and that's easy, it, isn't it? So it's, it, it, it's like finances, right? We want to hit the lottery yeah. instead of saving 10% every paycheck for, for mm-hmm. 40 years. Right, mm-hmm. and it's that idea of I have to learn how to eat and sleep and and exercise and live and function with my body in a sustainable way over decades, and doing that mm-hmm. is much healthier in the long term than me doing something temporarily for a few months that makes things seem to get so much better. Well, and you you also have to realize your body's not going to be the same body in a decade. Yes, so right. it's not it's not even so much about this is what I do and this is how I do it and nobody's ever going to change. Right. I think it's more about constant constant evaluation. And and that brings up the point we use the word balance all the time. But have you ever seen anyone walk a tightrope? Um I mean what are they doing? Documentaries of people that have, yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> what are they doing? They're they're always they're leaning one way and then the other, they're always adjusting. Yeah, balance mm-hmm. is always shifting. Yes, you're right. Yeah, so so I guess just for the practical side of things, someone who's discouraged because there may be someone listening right now thinking, "Oh man, I you know these guys sound like they know everything about it." No, we've just <laughs> different things have caused each of us to research it, and generally it's because something starts to break down, and you're like, "Oh, yes. whoa, whoa, whoa," you know. And mm-hmm. um, for me, it was I don't know if it was COVID or what because I I didn't go get a, get a test. <clears throat> hashtag Patriot. Uh, hashtag. Fauci. Uh, anyway, I didn't do that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so after that though, like I was sick for a month and things started like, okay, for instance, anxiety started to happen. I'm not an anxious person. I'm high strung or I'm high. I'm very active. I am not an anxious person. You ask anyone in my family and I'm the one who's able to go, eh, you know, just, it'll be fine. Cross that bridge when we come to it. Except um, that time you were on steroids. Oh yeah, they put me on a steroid. You remember that? He wasn't anxious. Oh, we loved steroids, Steve. I was, I was yes. angry, and it Bring was back bad. Steroid, Steve. Well, but you know what though? It's like again, 
you realize after a week of that, th- that I have to take a different approach. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah. other thing you have to realize is that you have very little control over yourself when things go wrong. And sometimes health issues come into your life and you have to, you have to weather that storm. And mm-hmm. man, it was, it was not good. Now it was certainly nothing. It wasn't cancer. It wasn't a stroke. I'm, I'm not comparing that. It was just in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this is different. Um, so practically speaking, I guess all of us have learned that we've got to get serious about this because something got our attention. And if there's someone listening like that right now, then all you need to really do is decide to do something and evaluate that something over periods of time. Maybe it's six weeks, maybe it's two weeks. Um, you're not going to get anywhere dieting for two days. All right. So it's got to be prolonged. And then if that doesn't work, you go on, you try a different approach and you just patiently walk through that situation till you find what you need. And sometimes it's not as simple as that. I understand. But for the majority of people, doing a lifestyle change is as simple as just changing a little bit every day. It's very important. I think it helps. I think as far as practical helps goes along that line, Brother Russ, is if you can find something that you enjoy doing physically. Yes. If if you can, it's one thing, you know, we go to the dentist because we have to, but nobody voluntarily goes on vacation and schedules five dentist appointments because they just Mm-mm. love to go to the dentist. Um, but if you can include as your exercise something that, you know, you enjoy or include as a change of diet something you enjoy, mm-hmm. um, that can be a real help to continuing yeah. that on a sustainable basis. Well, that's why I want to do the meat diet. I love steak. I mean, I'm good. <laughs> well, I'm go. ready to roll. <laughs> no, that's a good point though. And and for instance too, like having never been in the gym. Now, the only only kind of gym or training I ever did was for uh, Christian school basketball and enough said. Um, right. We ran a lot and and hey, we couldn't, we couldn't shoot, but we were fast. Let me just tell you. Um, beyond that, you know, I never did any strength training or anything like that. I didn't know how much I'd enjoy it. I had no idea. I agree with you. Yeah. That's and an then I got in there. Of, yeah. I got, I got in there with a, with a friend, a church member and started working out. And now he and I may work out once a week. I mean, he, you know, he was at the gym this morning when I was there, but, um, we may work out once a week, but sometimes we're two ships passing the night and I'm there. Like, like if I, if I'm not there, I'm like, Oh man, I'm off my routine. I need to, I need to get back in. And that's not me patting myself on the back. That's me saying that over two years time, a habit has been formed that I enjoy. That's fantastic. That's all it is. And can't you guys tell? (laughs) No, I don't have my, I I think I need a microscope, but anyway, I get your point. You need glasses is what you need. But anyway, um, yeah. So well, okay. I, so, I mean, Spurgeon talks about lifting weights, uh, and that, yeah. for some reason that struck me when I first I was reading one of his sermons, and he talked about doing deadlifts, and I was like, uh, "What in the world?" And then I started thinking about it and looking into it, and I'm like, "Well, the, the Greeks invented the deadlift like yeah. three thousand years ago, or two thousand years ago, whatever it was." So you know, in the Victorian yeah. era in England, they they did that, um, and I just didn't expect to see Charles Spurgeon talk about. Weightlifting, not at the gym, but you know something equivalent. That that is a great example because there's a guy who obviously struggled with his health all of his life. Mm-hmm. Struggled with mm-hmm. his weight. Struggled with um, what did he have? Gout. Struggled with gout. Struggled with depression, which has physical mm-hmm. connections, not just emotional connections. And I don't know Spurgeon. I've read I've read lots of biographies of him, but it's been it's been a long time. I'd read them differently. I'm sure if I looked at them now. But I'm going to guess, make an educated guess, that he did prioritize trying to work on things 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He was human. He was a person just like we so, are. And something tells me he's a he's probably quite an innovator and quite a thinker if he was doing stuff like that to try to offset maybe some of the struggles he was having physically and all that. Yeah. It's just not something we often attribute to Spurgeon. But the way that he did ministry in a lot of ways was certainly unique and and, and groundbreaking. So I also cool. think there's something there's something valuable there for us in that we can look at someone who's unhealthy and think it's because they don't take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Whereas they could be putting more time and effort and work and mental focus and energy and dedication into trying to be healthy than we are. Yeah. Yeah. You could look at Spurgeon and say, yeah. well, he was depressed and overweight and had gout because he didn't take care of himself. On the other hand, maybe he spent an enormous amount of time trying to compensate for that and, and, and couldn't. And I think we have to be careful when we look at other people in our minds and make those judgment calls. And, and I, that's where I contend that pastors are more focused on their health than ever. I mean, it used to be like, Tom, you said, it used to be that we the kind of preaching we would hear was never golf, never do anything. It's always work. It's all that. Mm -hmm. And now I see guys who I know their work ethic and I know their spiritual walk um, because I've been up close and personal with them. One of them, I traveled with him and and I'm like, man, oh, this guy's the real deal. And um, now he runs like five miles a day. I mean, he is a running fiend and it's like, okay, so why? Well, I remember a few years back, he was dealing with issues with his sciatica. He was dealing with all this. And he just said, no, not on my watch. I'm not not dying young. I'm not giving up physically. I'm not going to burn out. And um, and he loves it. And he's grown into really, really doing well at it. But beyond that, you know, there is also the spiritual aspect of this. And that is, is that we are called to be temperate. We're called to have self-control. And temperance is a huge issue in the scripture. You know, the one who wins the race is generally the most temperate has the most self-control. Mm-hmm. That's that's what Saul contended. And he applied that to his his spiritual walk, right? So he said, physically, we understand it this way. Spiritually, we understand it this way. I think spiritually that we also have to definitely be temperate about our, about our health, about our bodies. I agree. I agree. I'm, just too con- I'm just too convicted to say anything, so I'll be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, didn't one of you guys bring up that verse in Proverbs? Put a knife to the um, throat. Yeah. Let's, yeah, I mean, that'll be a man given to appetite. There's context there, but yeah, the the whole idea of of controlling yourself that is a biblical principle. You want to control yourself walking in the spirit, not walking in the flesh. It's not, you know, it's not a prideful self control. But right, you know that that connects with what Paul says in Romans chapter eight about mortify. Mm-hmm. What is the flesh? I, I have a whole chapter in, in my book, Freed from Sin, dis- defining what that term, the flesh, means. And I think boiled down to its essence, it's the, it's the lust inside of us that manifests yeah. itself in a lot of different ways. And it's that mm-hmm. it's that John Owen famous statement, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. It's mm-hmm. constantly – he used the he used the phrase um, uh, walking, oh, walk, oh, walking over the belly of your lusts. You know, what is it that you strongly desire? Attack that. Attack mm-hmm. that desire, and however it manifests itself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because so, if we don't, if we don't, you know, that's where addictions are are birthed. Uh, yes and no. Um, I do believe that that being in Christ frees us from sin, frees us from the chains of sin. I also realize that we can willingly then enter into a relationship with something that has a physically uh, addicting property to it. Mm-hmm. Tobacco does, sugar does, alcohol, alcohol does, cocaine does, or uh, heroin does, you know, et cetera. Um, 
those, those or, obviously they, they do all the same things to the brain, right? In the sense of dopamine screens do, right? We've talked about that. Oh yeah. You know, connects to our phones. Mm-hmm. I, I believe I, I read a book a couple of years ago about um, Hitler's drug use. And I think he was addicted to drugs. Uh, and at the end of his life, he couldn't get them. And he was eating chocolate cake as fast as he could shovel it in his mouth because that was all that was left that would give him any kind of a rush when he was Had dying in the bunker under Berlin <laughs> at, the, at the very end of his life because all he had left was sugar. It was the only thing that would give him that that little bit of dopamine. What was the, what was the drug that, that was uh, primarily Nazi? Like Was that meth? Was that the one that they kind of came up with? They pioneered speed, some form of speed, ah. uh, and it was widely circulated throughout the Luftwaffe and, and the um, – and the army, uh, especially okay. in the early days, uh, before they realized that it hurt people, but that huh. was not really what Hitler was addicted to. He had a doctor who would prescribe him an enormous amount of, of steroids, and then essentially an aspect of a certain kind of heroin. Um, but I think yeah. we're drifting in this conversation. But he, no, we are. Yeah, yeah. the idea of, of of becoming addicted is a, is is a is a real problem. Yeah, and so food food is definitely. It can be an addiction, Martin. It's funny you bring that guy's uh, story up about McDonald's, and you know why he lost weight was portion control. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was yeah. it. So you know, there's there are a lot of things we could probably enjoy um, if we didn't overindulge in them, and and we have to be have to be mindful of that. What say you about yeah. that, Mr. Wickens? No, that's. I mean, everything, anything that causes you that feeling of pleasure can be addictive. And so we have to uh, just be aware of that. And, you know, whether you're getting addicted to your avocado toast and soy lattes from Starbucks or whatever it may be, um, you've just got to be aware of it. Because, again, physical, you know, health Mm -hmm. is more than just fitness. And uh, I mean, certain things like sugar, they definitely give you more of a hit than avocado toast. But um, yeah, still, you, you've, uh, I think we do avocado have to take delicious, the time. By the way. Oh, it is. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> also very um, good for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, it is. We have to be disciplined enough to look at the side of the box to see what's in what we're eating. And we have to make lifestyle changes. We have to make deliberate decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are spiritual principles behind all of this, but I think there are some very practical things that we can do as well that almost anyone can do. I mean, as far as heart health, mm-hmm. I know it's been, you know, I've seen it several places. If you can do 40 press-ups or more, kind of the the possibility of you having a heart, a heart attack, it just drops dramatically. Yeah. And there's probably a lot more to it than that. But I mean... You don't need a gym membership to do push-ups or yeah. press-ups, depending right, on where yeah. you're from. Yeah, yeah. That, that's so true. But you know, sometimes if you don't have that gym membership, if you don't have a place to go, like the idea of just going downstairs and doing push-ups instead of actually going somewhere to a specific place where that's dedicated to that is very hard. But you're right. I mean, everybody can do something. That's that's what it boils down to: discipline. Hmm. So you mentioned a minute ago, Martin, about you know looking at what's in the box. That statement, shop along the edges of the store, not in the middle. In the middle is all the mm-hmm. processed food. On the outside is all the natural food. And it, it, it's taking statements like that, and, and they're not a rule. They're not a commandment. They're, they're you know, just just 
another one's just like keep moving, you know, do something that makes your body move rather than rather than be sedentary, no matter what it is. Could, you know, if you want to golf, golf. If you want to hunt, hunt. If you want to ride a horse, ride a horse. If you want to yeah. take a hike, take a hike. Um, mm-hmm. Just those things are all they're, they're, they're sort of principles that you apply personally and individually to your own circumstance and you and you seek mm-hmm. to, to prioritize being healthy. I think you, you've got to build it strategically into your life. You've got to be deliberate with it. There was a, uh, a test that was undertaken a number of years back, and they brought in, I don't know, it was like 100 people, and half of them, they gave them two numbers to remember. And then the other half, they gave them seven numbers to remember, and they had to go down a hall, go into another room, and recite the number. Um, and, you know, just kind of the the, the broad brushing of it. And then they had to give the number and they said, okay, we're going to tally up everything, you know, go over there. There's a table. It's got cake and fruit. Just help yourselves while we, you know, tidy everything up. And Mm -hmm. the test wasn't could people remember something. It was what they did afterwards. And they said that 50% of the people who had two numbers to remember chose fruit. But almost 100% of people who had seven numbers to remember ate the cake. And what they they were showing is that when your mind is overwhelmed with decisions and yep. choices and stuff, you make poor choices about health because you go to the mm. table and you don't have the capacity to say the cake looks good, but the apple is better for me. And you yep. just instinctively go for what gratifies. Um, and then they tie that in. You And it came to mind because you said about the grocery stores. Grocery stores are lined up like this to just get you frazzled. Now, if you go in and grab a gallon of milk and leave, that's one thing. But if you shop up and down every aisle, it's designed to fry your mind with a thousand choices so that in the end, you're just grabbing stuff and not even thinking about it. And it's deliberate. Such a conspiracy theorist, man. Everything's a conspiracy with you, Martin. Come on, man. I worked in, I worked in grocery stores. <laughs> they are snakes. Yeah, they there you are go. snakes. And, that's uh, funny. No, it's, it's deliberate. I mean, they will pipe the yeah. smell of bakeries you know, into different parts of the store. So you smell a donut when you've no business smelling a donut. Um, you know, th- there's Comfort. a reason why they do what they do. Uh, here I am, and, here I am bagging apples, I'm bagging apples. And I'm like, man, that, that bunt cake smells great. <laughs> yeah. Well, why do they have, awesome. you know, stacks of chocolate at the checkouts and not stacks yeah. of fruit and veg? It's because they know that enough people get there and go, ah, oh, man, I just want something and grab a candy yeah. bar. Okay, so so that brings us. There's a couple of things I want to get to before we're done, but but I want to finish that thought out. You're right. When we're overwhelmed, uh, I think I just finished telling you we were talking just before the show off the air, and we were already kind of kicking around some things. But you were talking about guys who eat out constantly. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. every day. That's all I do. And I made mm-hmm. the statement that I eat out when I don't plan to do otherwise. It's it's mm-hmm. my default. And yeah. the reason for that is I don't want to make a decision. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, well, I'll just run down and get some Casey's pizza. Well, that's not good. I mean, that was today. <laughs> Literally today. I'm like, I don't have time. I got to get going and uh, and that kind of thing. But when it going back to the the thing mentioned right before that is that a physical activity that you enjoy can literally be a productive time for a lot of things. Now, I'm just going to tell you what I do, and I'm not saying everybody has to do this. It's my way of keeping my head on straight at the gym. I listen to to at least four chapters of the Bible every time I go to the gym mm-hmm. in my AirPods. 
after I'm done with that, I'm listening to a podcast, I'm listening to an audiobook, and pretty much pretty much my gym time is dedicated toward piping some kind of information in my head while I am physically mm-hmm. working out. I know some people won't do that because they're like, "Oh, no, you got to focus on the workout. It's all it's mind over matter whatever." But I'm not going to do that. I mean, first of all, some people don't even go to gyms because of the atmosphere of some gyms are just not really fit for Christians to be in. Not all gyms are that way. And right. some people might be more inclined due to, uh, you know, personal struggles just not to go at all. Right. Um, I'll tell you this right now, I'm looking at maybe putting a, um, a home gym in my garage and putting a little mini split in there and kind of making it a little bit more of that. Not because I don't like going to the gym. I do. But because when we come on into the school year here, um, my schedule is not going to allow for me to go to the gym unless I'm there at four in the morning. And quite frankly, I ain't doing that. So um, I do think I'm to a point where with my fitness journey, I would go downstairs and I would work out in the, in the garage. Anyway, moving on from that, Tom, one of the things that would maybe you could add to the conversation that we can't is that you're the one of the three of us who know what it's like to have to battle a health condition constantly. Can you speak to that a little bit before we close the podcast down? Uh, sure. I, I don't think it's any secret probably to most of our listeners that I have a rather rare disease called Meniere's disease. It afflicts about one in 10 or 12,000 people. Um, it affects my life in an enormous variety of ways. It's incurable, it's regressive, and I've had it for, tw- uh, I've had it for 13 years. Um, understanding that <clears throat> sometimes God allows things or brings things to your life that are not because you didn't take care of yourself, right? Someone who's driving down the road and they get in right. a car crash, not because they were driving badly, just out of the blue, someone hit them. God allowed that. Someone gets cancer. God allows that. It's not because of their life choices. Mm-hmm. Learning to trust God with that, learning to accept that this is how you're going to have to live the, those th- there's a whole lot of life in those in those last two clauses learning to <laughs> learning to prioritize fighting for your health even if even if it seems like the more you fight and the harder you fight the less effective it gets yeah staying persistent saying determined realizing other people are going to misunderstand you because of your health they're going to look at you and think you're lazy. They're going to look at you and think that you're not spiritual. They're going to look at you and say, you know, why are you hiding from everybody? Why are you not socializing? Why are you leaving early? Why are you, you know, all of those are things that people who struggle with health conditions have mm-hmm. to have to process and deal with. And they're things I've had to process and deal with. Yeah. And so it seems to me that something to take from that is that no matter what your emphasis on health may be, realize that there may be times where with your body, you're just called to trust the Lord. We're always called to trust the Lord, Brother Ross. You know that. And I know you didn't mean it that way. No, it's a good clarification. God is very good at putting his finger on whatever he needs to put his finger on to make us need him. Right. To make us conscious of our need for him. He touches our marriage. He touches our children. He touches our ministry. He touches our health. He touches, Mm. he touches something to draw us in independence upon himself. And, you know, I, I used to argue with God and say, God, I could do more for you if I wouldn't have this, if I, would, if I didn't have this disease, I could be more effective. And I would list the things, you know, mm-hmm. lay your arguments before God, produce your cause, give me your reasons. I would lay my arguments before God. And I had to come to the place where not that I'm 
content not to be healed. I, I would love not to have the disease I have, but I believe that God has given it to me for reasons. I have seen it bear mm. fruit in other ways in my life. And, and, um, but to our, to, specifically for the purposes of this podcast, um, you, you can't just, when you, when you get that cancer diagnosis or that disease diagnosis, or you're in that accident and your spine is broken in three places, you can't just lay down and die. You can't lay right. down and die until it's time to die. You've got to fight for, for whatever you can do. Because again, so much of how we serve God is, is dependent upon the health of our body. And, and I would encourage any of our listeners who are experiencing any of those sorts of things uh, to keep after yeah. Keep at, don't don't get don't get so discouraged. You give up. You can't give up. You've got to keep after striving yeah. to be a little bit healthier. It was Paul who had the thorn in the flesh who did say, "I keep my body under subjection." I mean, he did not give up. He continued at the same time. He understood. And I love the thought of that, Tom. And that's why, you know, we talked about this a little bit before. This is a productive sense in which to bring this up. And so, thank you for being open about it. But it does help us as Christians to realize that God's purpose for our lives and his sovereignty in our lives far exceeds the importance of our of our earthly bodies. That's where I think we can apply that verse, bodily exercise profiteth little. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it's God's will, God's mind, and God's heart and his purpose for us that we ought to seek. And uh, so long as he gives us health, we use it for his glory. If he should take it, as Job said, we give him all the praise. And so great discussion today, guys. We're going to shut it down and uh, we appreciate all our listeners. We don't deserve any of you and we never thought we did. So thanks for listening. Hope you were helped and we'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you think about today's podcast.